This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell checking in with uh, just one day pre-retreat, Sarah, right? Yes, we are recording <laughs> this on Global Running Day. Happy Global Running Day, Oh, Dimity. yes. Even more importantly, <laughs> happy Global Running Day. Yes. yes. Did, you, did you celebrate? I did. I ran three miles today, which just feels like a triumphant celebration after my, you know, basically a year off from running. So, yeah. Yes, and I tried some new PT exercises that I learned yesterday from my physical therapist, who, Dimity, as you know, is Amy Benton, who was our guest on our June 2nd episode of the Another Mother Runner podcast. So I see Amy largely to work on things with my bulging disc, but she said I was progressing pretty quickly. So she has started doing things that will help my running that are, they're related to my back, but that with an eye on getting me stronger and better supported as I run. Oh, great. Yes. So these are spinal rotation physical therapy exercises. And when I did them, I met with Amy yesterday for my weekly, bi-weekly sessions. I see her about every other week. And she, I had gone swimming before I saw her. And then after I finished them, she goes, oh, are you going running today? And I'm thinking, I already went swimming. Like you knew that. I'm not, doing, <laughs> I'm not trained for a triathlon. And uh, she said, because, oh, you're going to feel it so much when you go running. It's going to be great. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing them every morning. So, and I was planning to run three miles today. So I did it in the living room because it needs a little more space than my usual um, kind of little room off our bathroom on the second floor. Sure. So anyway, so my goodness, I felt so much better. And I was not at all trying to go slightly faster. I was, my mantra these days is just, you know, sure and steady, just get out there and, yeah, and, for and sure. do it. And I mean, my miles were 30 to 60 seconds faster with no extra exertion on my part. So OMG, that is, that is amazing. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I yeah. know you, we're going to link to the, the exercises. We're going to, you're going to find a demonstration. We'll link to those in the show notes, but kind of just do your best to describe them. Yes. So the exercises are designed to relieve compression in my back, in my discs. And, and like I said, help with my running and Amy's description. I was like, Hey, Amy, can you give me a couple sentences about what it is this does? And so I'll, as a preamble, before I get to the exercises, she says the spine and pelvis are the primary drivers of the running pattern. During the running gait, the muscles of the trunk wind up on one side while uncoiling on the opposite side, creating a spring-like effect that transfers energy through the pelvis and into the legs. The spinal energy, sorry, the spinal engine can be trained to improve running efficiency and power. 
And what she told me yesterday, she was like, it's not your legs that are doing that all of this. It's, you know, what's driving your running is this spinal engine that we have. And so it is, they are all done on the floor and mm-hmm. it is definitely, it's laying in with my legs elongated and my arms up over my head as straight as possible, all on the floor, nothing's raising up off the floor and doing these turning, getting from being on my back to being on my stomach by lifting. If I'm going to turn toward the left side, I pull my right leg in toward like a tabletop position and then extend that leg and shoot it toward the left and let that be the thing that's pulling my body over. And Mm -hmm. so the last thing left, hopefully on the ground is my right shoulder as then I then flip over onto my stomach. And so that by having that leg, you know, be like a lever that's pulling me over and pulling me to the side, that's twisting my spine. I love that. Yeah. And and kind of creating that connection between mm -hmm. opening up that space. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then, and then going back and when, when Amy demoed these to me, you know, she, a runner, a former dancer, an aerialist, and I saw her doing, I thought, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm going to be like a turtle. I'm not going to be able to get back over again. And I was surprised that I was able to do it without doing a bunch of little cheats. Like, you know, when you kind of are like, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, do a little hinky thing with my knee or yeah, my hip yeah, and yeah. then I'll spring myself over. No, I was, I was really pleased. And afterwards she said, oh, it's obvious that you've done a lot of body work and that you're an athlete because you pick these up quickly. And I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. No one's ever accused me of that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, and physical therapists don't allow you to do little hinky things. That's the thing. Like they, if they're watching you. They're like, nope, nope. Uh, you're engaging the wrong, you know, the wrong app. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. Like, and oh my gosh, that's the thing. PTs see everything. Yes, yes. No, I know. <laughs> and, even, and even, you know, you can be wearing like a baggy shirt and they're like, oh, perfect. The way you're doing that with your apps. I'm like, how can you see my apps? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. So wait, so how do you get back if you do you use your legs as a lever which so come that back. yeah so then when i've you know so there i'm laying on the ground on my belly my arms are straight over my head on the ground my legs are straight up behind me and then to flip back over toward the right i lift my right bend my right knee toward my butt and then you know so then bring my foot toward my butt and then straighten that leg and put it off back toward the direction i want to go to Mm -hmm. and let that be again the thing that kind of pulls me over nice so and there were a couple other things that i was doing in other exercises really activating the deep core muscles and all this stuff and it just i just get a sense of space and freedom in yeah. my back that has not been there for a very long time, if ever. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that reminds me, you know, you talking about her talking about like how the, the spine and pelvis are the primary drivers of the rutting pattern. I remember when I used to go to Pilates regularly and one, um, one instructor who was, again, she's a lot like Amy, like super intuitive about the body and can explain things really well. And she was, mm-hmm. she, she said like, pretend like you're running like from your hips, like that mm-hmm. your legs are, you know, your legs are not attached to the hips. Like your legs are not the things that are moving. Like mm-hmm. it's your hips. Or even the other thing that she said almost is like mentally kind of chop your self off at the knees and pretend Mm. like you're running Hmm. because again, that's just like shorter levers and you're not going to overstride as much. And it's Mm going to give you just a better sense of that connection between your pelvis and the rest of, you know, and the rest of the motion and give you a little bit more stability. So I don't Mm -hmm. know, that's just, just something to think of. That's something I used to think about a lot when I was running. 
Yeah, and I really like these because also I loved what Amy told me, which is with a lot of these exercises she's having me doing, she says, oh, this is, you know, training the muscles, creating new neural pathways, all this stuff so that it will happen automatically. And I'm like, wait, what? I don't have to think about this. Yeah, like, this exactly. It's the perfect thing for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> because what she says is that I have these two kind of ropey muscles going up my back on either side of my spine. And she says they've been working so dang hard. And that if if I can offload some of the effort that they're carrying onto other muscles in my you know core, then those can kind of be like, oh, okay, we, we can take a little break here. Like we don't have to hold everything up. Yeah. And it'll create a lot of, um, release a lot of tension and, uh, you know, soreness that I have. Awesome. So, awesome. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I basically think Amy Benton is just a miracle worker, nothing short of a miracle worker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and right now my son John's off seeing her as well. So she helps the whole family. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Well, we have newer runner Michelle with an age related training question. Hi, it's Michelle from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And listening to your podcast today, in reference to age and how much money you're doing, I am a fairly new runner. My schedule is not as it should be with running and working out and all that good stuff. But I did start this at the age of 50. I've only been into it trying to get started here for the last year. And when you were wondering today about someone's age on how much she runs a week, what do you suggest for a 50-year-old? My guess is maybe three times a week, but any suggestions would be greatly helpful, greatly helpful. And thank you very much. Well, kudos, Michelle, on jumping into running at the half century mark. Yeah, that's so cool. We we rarely talk to women, I think, that get started at age 50 and running, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dim, I find this question intriguing because we often talk about how folks who take up running later in life often have an advantage over lifelong runners because these newer runners have fresher legs. So, you know, they haven't had years and years of pounding on their bodies. But do you think there's a tipping point age-wise where maybe that's not true? Like if you start before age 50, you have an advantage, but after 50, not so much? Uh, I don't know. I, that's that's a tough one to call. I mean, obviously, you know, the natural aging process is going to enter into your running, you know, ability as much as it enters into the rest of your life when you're 50. Um, but mm-hmm. I still think the fresh legs and the fresh energy. I mean, I just remember like when we would talk to people at running expos and they're like, oh, yeah, this is my first half marathon. We're just like, oh, my gosh. Or they come back and they'll be like. Oh yeah, um, I ran a one fifty one. Is that good? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it is. As, as a matter of fact, it is. But yeah, just like that idea, like everything is fresh and new, and that's that's super cool. Mm-hmm. You love things that are fresh and new, like when you get your school supplies, Dimity. That's so you. Oh, I love uh. school supplies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think? I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that there's a tipping point. I think any kind of new activity, when you bring a passion and energy to it, it's going to feel really fun and joyful. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd mentioned something about pickleball, but I've gotten some pushback that I talk too much about it on the podcast, so I won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could maybe see that coming. I'm not just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So now that we've discussed theoreticals, like let's get down to brass tacks 
on Michelle's question. Like, what's an ideal week at a glance workout schedule for a 50 something runner who's not training for a race? Coach Dimity, you want to feel that one? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, my hands raised. Um, I mean, it just, she, she sounds, she also said in her voicemail that she's not like, it sounds like she's got other busy things. Like, it doesn't sound like she's got oodles of time to work out. Mm-hmm. So I would say three days a week. I mean, that was her suggestion. And that's, you know, that's kind of sounds where she's comfortable. So I think that that's a great place to go. And you could go like three, three, three miles, three miles, four miles, you know, that's 10 miles right there a week. And then if you wanted to stay there, you could, if you wanted to up it a little bit, you could go, you know, add on half a mile to the weekdays and then go longer on the weekend. I mean, just kind of feel it out. I think three days a week is really good, but in addition to, to complement that running, and it sounds like she's kind of not like, it sounds like she's got other things that she can do as well. It doesn't sound like she's so gung-ho that she's like, I want to run six or seven days a week, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. would strength train for sure. I mean, that's going to help any of us who are 50. So definitely I would spend two days uh, either at a strength training class like body pump or doing your own thing in the weight room or following a video online or whatever you like to do, but um, making sure that you're kind of tending to keeping your muscles the bulk of your muscles up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the other, I mean, you know, so that's five days right there. I mean, that feels like plenty to me mm-hmm. with some rest mm-hmm. days in there. If you want, you know, a walking day is great. Um, if, if, you know, it's summertime and she wants to swim or cycle or do something else, I think that's great. But yeah, I mean, I think three is a good place to start and just slowly build from there and not try to do too much too soon because that's, as we all know, when you get injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from the folks who allow us to bring you this free content. Please support them as they support us. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, here's Roberta with basically back-to-back marathons this fall. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. This is Roberta from Rhode Island. I am running on a charity bib for the Chicago Marathon in October. And because the universe has a great sense of humor, I finally got into the New York Marathon through the lottery after many years of trying. So now I have two marathons this fall, four weeks apart. And I would like your advice about training in between the two marathons. Thank you very much. Okay, Roberta, your comment about the universe having, quote, a great sense of humor just cracked me up when I listened to it. Um, 
So because we all know if you were not signed up to run Chicago on a charity bib, you would not have gotten lucky in the New York City Marathon Lottery. That's the way the universe truly works. Exactly. It's karma. They're like, oh, she's she's going to you know run for charity. So yeah, we'll let her through. We'll let her through the golden gates of the, of the New York City Marathon, even though it's only four weeks in between. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. All jokes aside, I can tell folks from personal experience that doing two marathons in one season is rough. So in 2014, I ran the Victoria Marathon in October and and granted I was uh, trying to qualify for Boston, which I did. So I was gunning in that in that marathon and then 6 weeks later did the Philadelphia Marathon and woo, doggy, my legs felt mighty heavy in Philly, especially on the back half of that course. So, but before I turn it over to you again, Coach Dimity, I will say that I learned something from doing 14 marathons in response to Roberta's question, that it's crucial to completely take time off from running post-race. You know, that I used to have that um, streak-obsessive personality side of me not allow me to do that. (laughs) Um, So when I finally started taking a full week off from running after a marathon, I've recovered so much more quickly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You've evolved, Sarah. We're very proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, so I think the first week off should be, Roberta, I would definitely take that off. But, you know, sometimes when you finish a marathon, you know, you kind of like, oh, I have all the time in the world to recover and feel better and all that kind of stuff. And that's not the truth here. So you need to, you're going to kind of need to push like, you know, you kind of want to recover at one and a half, two speed, you know, right? Like, on <laughs> like your, listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I would definitely recommend having a massage probably like three, two or three days after that after Chicago, um, mm-hmm. I would really pay attention to hydration, how you're eating, you know, really making sure you get plenty of protein, plenty of nutrients mm-hmm. to help your body kind of recover. I would do stuff like walking, cycling, like easy spinning on a bike. If you like to swim, I would get in the pool, mm-hmm. but just a plain walk is fine. And some foam rolling and some stretching and some mobility, just like kind of like thinking of your body for that first week is like, okay, how, what can I do to kind of return it to its most natural state, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. before I g- jump back in. And then when you jump back in in that second week, I mean, I think, you know, you can, you, you're, you're not going to gain much fitness. Yeah, oh, that's key. You know, between weeks over these four weeks, but mentally, I think you want to feel like, okay, I'm ready to go again, you know, and we mm-hmm. runners like to run, right? <laughs> so I would say, you know, you could do a couple things. You could take the last three weeks of your program and just repeat them, including the taper, with this caveat um, that your long run doesn't need to be longer than like 12 miles, period. Oh. Yeah, I okay. would say. Mm-hmm. Just because that's, I mean, you, you've kind of done a huge long run, you know? And, and, <laughs> sure, you've proved that you can cover the distance. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's no reason to go back and do like 18 or 15 or anything like that or 20. Again, no reason mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. But I would say 12, you know, if you feel like, you know, be out there for two, two and a half hours. And then, uh, yeah, and then just kind of come back. So, you know, your weekday mileage should be something similar. You know, if you ran three times during your training cycle, maybe you do three times again, again, to mentally feel like you're ready. But, you know, if there's something in your plan that says like six miles with three at tempo, like you don't need to do that if that's not in your, if that doesn't feel right. I mean, you know, your body Mm -hmm. the best. So, but I would definitely Mm -hmm. say you want to like kind of retaper again Mm -hmm. and get ready to, to race again. So Mm -hmm. I would, those last two weeks of your program, I would follow for sure. It's just that week two could be a little bit, a little bit more of a wild card, depending upon how you're feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, Dim, if, you know, Roberta didn't tell us if she had a goal for either one, and I'm thinking um, that from, I don't know, just from the sounds of her voicemail, it seems like, you know, 
experiencing the race and the course and the spectators and all that, you know, it's, it's for the joy of the event itself. But do you have a sense of if people are doing two marathons or two half marathons kind of close to each other, is there a sense that if one, you know, for me, it was my first one was the one that was my goal race. Yeah. So that that's when I put the hammer down in a perfect world. If someone was doing two races, do you think it's better to have the goal race be the first race or the second race? Oh, I think the first for sure. For sure. Mm, Especially okay. with a long distance like that. Like it might be different if you were, you know, like something like the Olympic trials and you're, you know, you're in qualifying heats, right. And then you're trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to save your best for last, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it also depends upon the weather, right. You know, so Chicago mm. can be, you know, I know notoriously hot at times. Right. And so if she is looking for a PR, you know, I would play with that, but, and then, mm. and then if, if she is also looking for a PR at NYC, you know, that would change the training schedule a little bit. Like I would put some more intensity in like week two and three, just to kind of mm-hmm. keep your legs kind of fresh and snappy. But <laughs> I think that that's a, you know, I mean, I think personally completing two marathons and feeling strong with, you know, with four weeks in between them is a, is a worthy enough goal. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, be, being able to, particularly because you know, you and I both know, we've both done New York City. There's, and we did those, did it a long time ago. There's, but you have a long distance to cover after you finish the, cross the finish line. Oh yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, the, so, so to be able to walk through that recovery shoot for probably at least a mile, you know, that, that <laughs> the finish line is not the finish oh, line. Oh yeah, no, for City. sure. That's gotta, easily, gotta that's easily the, like a, thir- you know, 30 mile day with all the time at the expo and, you know, or not the expo at the, you know, getting to the bus waiting and around. waiting around yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I just want to add is um, sleep is so important. You know, I know we know this, but like even more so. And if you're not sleeping well at night, like Roberta, like think about how can you integrate some naps? Like that's just how your body heals most naturally. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and also, perhaps the, you know, sometimes we talk about the social component. And so, you know, those four weeks in between, that's not the time to do a big volunteer gig, you know, at, at a blood drive or at your, you know, well, your kid's school you're definitely or not something time like to that. donate blood. That's for sure. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So exactly. All right. Well, Nikki's got a shoe question. Hey, this is Nikki from Tacoma. I, my question is about shoes and gear. I normally just buy one pair of shoes and then I just run through them until they're done about 350 miles. But is it worth having a second pair of shoes for different workouts? Should I have one pair of shoes with tons of cushions for my long run? Is it worth having a second pair that I only use for speed? I've never tried it. <laughs> Not sure it's worth the investment, so I'd love your input. Thank you. Ah, uh, shoes. I love talking shoes. Yeah, that's very cool that she's very uh, deliberate or kind of knows how many miles she's put on her shoes. I've, I was not that ever uh, deliberate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I always thought that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll write it in Sharpie. And then, you know, a week later, huh, why do I have all this black stuff on my socks? <laughs> oh, that's because that's the Sharpie is rubbed off onto my yeah, socks. I can't read it anymore. I can't read it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, so most experts, us included, recommend rotating between two pairs of shoes because a couple reasons, because having a second pair of shoes can extend the life of both pairs of shoes, as strange as that may seem, because the midsole foam in each has time to recover, just like your muscles, after a workout. And then some folks posit that your risk of injury is lower if you alternate shoes. But that said, if your weekly mileage is on the lower end of things, let's say 
15 miles or less here, give or take, you know, and you typically run the same speed for all your workouts, having a single pair of kicks is fine. Currently, I am logging 10 to 12 miles per week. So I have just one pair of Topo Athletic Phantoms. But when I was logging more miles, I always had two pairs of identical shoes in different colors so I could tell them apart <laughs> and have them you know, coordinate with outfits um, <laughs> to wear on alternate runs. Did you ever yeah. like put them on in the dark and come out with one red and one blue? <laughs> kind of clown-like? No, no. no, never, no. Okay. No. Um, although, you know, sometimes you see people who do that for fun, you know, sometimes like young people. Yeah. Yeah. With cute, uh, like coordinating <laughs> socks and a cute skirt yeah, and a little yeah, yeah. jog bra. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it, I never did it. I mean, I granted I was, this probably advice is more new, but I never rotated my running shoes. I just had the same yeah. pair that I wore all the time. I also live in Colorado where it's pretty dry, so it wasn't sweaty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wasn't my thing. Um, I have a pair of trail shoes and then I have a pair of road shoes. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you are someone who likes to, I mean, there's a, there's definitely both, like you explained the physical reasons why you would want mm-hmm. a pair of shoes, um, a second pair of road shoes. And also if you, you know, skiers that are very good have a whole quiver of skis, right? They have, you know, seven or eight or nine pairs because this is for powder. This is for moguls. This is for this. This is for that. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that if you have the bank account to support it. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, so you can do the same thing with shoes for sure. You know, like, so you can have a pair of shoes that if you like, you know, if they make you feel very, you know, zippy and springy and, and those are your speed shoes. Awesome. I mean, the, the only thing that I would say, and Sarah, you know this also from personal experience, is don't like get super aggressive with lack of cushioning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just because, you know, I mean, track athletes wear their spikes, but they're also used to wearing spikes. I'm not saying that um, Nikki's going to go out and buy a pair of spikes and <laughs> start <laughs> ripping up her sidewalk. But I'm just saying, like, there are some very minimal, some very, like, fast racing flats, and mm-hmm. you need to break into those, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I just remember I tried. Yeah, so so you and I both wrote a lot of articles about shoes. We did a lot of shoe reviews back in our respective days. And I remember I got one pair. I won't name the brand they were. And I wore them and I was training for a marathon. And so I wore them for an eight mile run right out of the box. And it was a speed workout. And the next day, my knee hurt so badly. I was, of course, catastrophized and thought, I'm not going to be able to run my marathon. I will never be able to run again. This is, you know, the world is coming to an end. Screech, record scratch, drop mic. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was just, and so then... It's actually then mic drop, to, just so you know. Not- yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so then I was just like, went back to running my regular shoes and gee, the pain disappeared. Wow, just as easily as it came on. And yeah. I was like, it wasn't until a while later that I'm like, huh, maybe it was those much thinner, lighter shoes that were not good for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, but there, there is, you know, if you're training for, you know, let's say you're trying to qualify for Boston or set a PR or something, there is something psychological about having a speedier, quote unquote, oh, speedier sure. pair of shoes. Yeah. And, and that, that can be fun. And then, you know, cause you can sometimes dread a track workout or tempo or whatever. And so having different shoes, at least, woohoo, I get to wear the hot pink ones that are, you know, a half an ounce lighter. Wow. And so that can be, that can be good. And as you said, you know, if you go for a trail run, you know, enough, if you go often enough on trails and if the trails are gnarly enough, then have a pair of trail shoes. And there are folks who definitely like to have more cushioned 
shoes for longer runs. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, for me, that kind of depends on Nikki's injury background. I've never had a pair of shoes that was just super duper cushioned, but, um, you know, like extra kind of marshmallowy. But um, if that's if that's of interest to her, then go for it. All right. Well, please call with your questions. That number to call is 470-BADASS-1. That translates to 470-223-2771. Leave your first name and where you're calling from. Please keep your message to a minute or less. And the phone number is always in our show notes. Yes. And also in our show notes will be the link to Better Together. We are closing in on the deadline. We are getting super close to the critical mass we need. And Better Together, to remind you, is a one-of-a-kind program we are going to pair experienced runners with runners who are taking on a half marathon or a marathon for the first time or for the first in a long time. So you don't have to be mm. a first time marathoner, but if your marathon was, you know, three or four years ago or even longer, you know, and you want some mentorship and some guidance and some fun along the way, um, yeah, then join us in Better Together. We're going to run together in Indianapolis on October 28th and you'll cross the finish line. You'll never forget Again, the link is in our show notes. Um, so check out those details. And I will say we are in need of some mentor marathon runners. We've got a nice handful of newbie marathon runners who are chomping at the bit, ready to go. And mm-hmm. we need a couple people who are willing to help them along the way. Mm-hmm. So all you big hearted listeners out there, sign up to be a better together mentor. There you go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Yes. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medor from Fire on the Bluff. Keep those questions coming. We are here with answers. And I mean, I don't know, Sarah, what spinal rotation a, exercises? A, a, a quiver of skis. <laughs> oh, a quiver of skis. Better, better. <laughs> Screech, record scratch, drop mic. 